and welcome to the fourth episode of the Enlighten Me podcast. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and I'm so pumped that you're here. On this week's episode, I'm chatting with my friend Janelle all about racism. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to take a second and thank everybody who's been listening for your support and your feedback. I've heard some rave reviews about my episodes with Jess, Ryan, and Samantha, and I'm so glad you guys are loving it. I'm pretty sure you're going to love all the episodes that I have coming up for you, so keep tuning in. And if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to any of the past three episodes, make sure you go back and do that because they are killer and you're going to learn so much. Janelle and I's conversation is a little bit different than the ones I've had in the past as it's stemming from a talk that Janelle gave at a conference for our church. Janelle is passionate about sharing on the topic of racism and so I asked her if she would be willing to share the same conversation on the podcast. The talk is centered around five main things that Janelle has learned about racism in America. That being said, keep in mind that these principles are not only going to apply to Americans and they're definitely not just for churchgoers. So for this episode, I'm asking that you have an open mind. Neither Janelle or I are really that qualified to be talking on a topic like racism, but we believe that conversations like this are going to change the world. You've probably heard me say before, I believe that education does just that. I believe that a lot of the concerns that our world faces comes from a lack of knowledge. So this conversation is all about learning. In this episode, Janelle and I are both extremely vulnerable and open to knowing that we're not always going to say the right thing. We also firmly believe that this conversation is simply a starting point for more conversations to come. We definitely don't cover everything there is to know about this topic with Janelle's five main points, but it's a great place to begin these conversations. If you've been wanting to learn more about the topic of racism and the racial issues that have gone on around the world have piqued your interest, this conversation is for you. Even if you're someone who's done a lot of research on this topic, I know that you're really going to enjoy what Janelle has to share about what she's learned. I'm confident that what Janelle shares today is going to leave you wanting more. And that's what I really want for you. I want there to be more conversations about these things. I want there to be more research being done on it. I want more open minds and more open ears. So for today, sit back and enjoy this conversation because I'm confident that you're going to feel enlightened afterwards. Also, as a preview, Janelle gives tons of great references to resources that she's loved and I'm so excited to share those with you because they've truly helped me in this journey in discovering more about race relations. Don't worry about writing down all the names of the books and movies that she references because I've written them all down for you in the show notes. You can view those through whatever device you're listening on in the show's description, or you can check them out on my website. So without any further ado, here is to learning together, to being open-minded, and to being vulnerable. Here is my time with my friend Janelle. Okay. Hey, Janelle. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Uh, Thanks for coming on my podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about yourself so they can know who they're listening to today. Okay. I am a 33-year-old mom and wife and friend and daughter, sister. Um, 
live in Urbana. I grew up in Illinois, went to U of I, moved to New York City for a year, and have been here for the past 10 years, mostly um, helping with the church plant in Urbana. Awesome. So something you're really passionate about is talking about racism and racial issues in our country. And since people can't see us, I should also say we're two white girls sitting here and we're going to talk about race and racism. So can you talk about, especially growing up in Illinois and probably in a predominantly white community and being a white person in a totally white family, how did you become interested in talking about race, talking about racism and how have you sort of learn more about it and continue to foster that passion that you have. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. If I look back in my life, um, I found a picture of me holding this book called The Last Shot. And I'm like sixth grade white girl in a farm area. Um, And honestly, do not think I had a single friend that wasn't white. And then this movie Dangerous Minds came out. And then I read all of those books. and, And so I just, I was kind of drawn towards I think both inner city and minority culture groups and then come to college and I ended up signing up for a trip to go to New York City and I worked in the projects and worked with a bunch of I mean anywhere from the age of like nine to 18 year old kids and I think there God gave me a huge heart for this specific people group in a very specific place in the Bronx and I went back and I spent the next summer and I spent another year and I've since kept in contact with these friends of mine. But I would differentiate. There was always kind of an interest and a, and a love um, for my friends of New York. But I would say it wasn't until um, Ferguson happened in 2014 that that I realized, like, I, I had no idea this was happening. I lived in New York. I was the only white person, basically, in this whole group of projects. And I somehow lived the whole year unaware that, like, I lived a different life than my friends did. I walked through the projects never being questioned. And they lived there and they were always questioned. Um, So it was in 2014 when Ferguson happened. And I should say, um, one of the nine-year-old boys I met in New York had come out to Illinois to live with us. And, And it's when he got here and he started sharing bits of his life. And I just didn't understand it. He would tell me of experience with the cop. And I was like, what do you mean? And then Ferguson happened, and it just clicked. Like, that could have been my guy. That could have been my kid Mm -hmm. who wasn't listening to cops. You know, so they say. um, Mm -hmm. Because my guy doesn't trust cops. So now I know someone who I could see doing exactly what this young man did. In the end, he was killed for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it just put me in a place where I couldn't just, like, say, well, that's, like, not my thing. Racism really isn't my thing. It was very personal. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, that's really cool. I think Ferguson was that for a lot of people. It was the yeah. start of a lot of that for a lot of people. So that's really cool. And then since then, mostly, I mean, outside of having friends that are people of color and learning more about it through their experiences, you've also been reading a lot. I know you love yeah. reading. You've recommended a lot of books to me. Yeah. And so with that, you recently shared a talk for our church. We go to church together. Mm-hmm. And at a women's retreat which with our church too just to give listeners a background of that mostly all white people and we don't have a lot of conversations about race we we haven't yet the hope is that we will more and so this is kind of the first time we've talked about that in the church setting and with this 
this conversation, even though it was for our church body, it's not only for Christians, right? So if you are listening and you're not a Christian, this is still relatable for you. So you're going to share the talk that you shared with the women that we go to church with, and it's titled Five Things That You've Learned About Racism, right? Yeah. So that's how we're just going to do this. You're going to share your talk, and I'll comment when appropriate, and I'm excited to hear what you have learned. Yeah, it was nerve-wracking, and this is kind of nerve-wracking. I think it's an interesting place to be as a white person. Mm-hmm. I have spent the last four years kind of doing my own independent study and still feel like I know very little. I'll yeah. see someone's, like, top 20 must-read books, and I've still only somehow read five of them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, a step of faith for me to start talking about these things, and I think it's an important conversation that needs to be happening more. Yeah, and and also something you mentioned, too, is that it's – the introduction to many conversations to come so there's a lot more to say besides these five things but it's a great place to start yeah yeah what I shared in my talk a little bit about my life and I kind of said this but I didn't I spent most of my life not really thinking about race even though I didn't live in a completely white world I just it was I was just privileged to not have to think about it Mm -hmm. and so I spent a lot of time just thinking about what I have learned over the past couple years and it really did all start with Ferguson. I remember even like Trayvon Martin was just killed right before that. And I, I, I didn't look into it at all. Mm-hmm. And then when um, my guy got here from New York and Ferguson happened, then it mm-hmm. kind of was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing I think that had to click for me was that it's real. <laughs> and that it's, it was a privilege for me to not realize that sooner than I did. Mm-hmm. I was kind of like, how, how did I go so long in my life? with people that were like my best friends and now feel like my family Mm -hmm. without knowing Mm -hmm. like the ways that society has made them feel or treated them and the things that they believe true about themselves now it was just like I was it's been very humbling and yeah and so I just want to share a few stories with you guys with their permission that I shared um, in my talk too but and that helped me realize how real it was. Yeah. I think proximity is a huge thing. Knowing somebody who's experiencing these things is what changed it for me. It's mm-hmm. what, what caused me to kind of dive in and start to learn. And, and so a few stories from my friends. I was sitting with a guy, and he's black, and he has dreads. And we were talking about philandro. And I remember calling him just shocked. I just could not believe that this had just happened. And he exclaimed to me, like, I could do everything right and still be wrong. Like, I went to college. I have a degree. I work with kids. And, like, that could have been me. Mm -hmm. And then he was talking about, he pulled out this card, which I didn't even know existed, but this I'm a friend of a cop card that they have in New York. And so cops, Mm -hmm. like, get to hand them to their friends. So basically when you get pulled over, you can say, like, hey, my brother's a cop, so I don't know. I don't really (laughs) know what they're supposed to do, but I was shocked that they exist. But they're legal. And so my guy with the dreads was like, got one of these cards from a friend. And he said, um, really could use this earlier in life. And I was like, why? What did you do? Ah, Like, he's like my little brother. And after listening to his story, I quickly realized, instead of asking why, what did you do? I should have asked, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. Not what did you do? Yeah. Um, and he proceeded to rattle off story after story of being stopped, harassed, guns drawn. He's like, John, I'm walking down my sidewalk outside my building where I've lived my whole life. And cops pull up, guns drawn at us, cursing at us. Where are the weapons? Where are the drugs? We know they're on mm-hmm. you. 
I've, I don't carry. I didn't have drugs on me, like mm-hmm. never once. Searched, harassed, groped by male and female police officers in my mm-hmm. building where I've lived my whole life. Wow. And this is a building I go in all the time. Like, I yeah. clearly don't belong. Yeah. But, a, you know, as a privilege of my skin color, I'm never once. Like, if anything's questioned of me, are you a social worker? Are you a teacher? It's all, oh, you know, like wow. positive yeah. associations. Yeah. So he tells me story after story. And then subtle things. I think, you know, we could look at some of these situations and I couldn't be like, holy cow, you know, but still kind of exclude myself and think like, well, I would, I would never do that. But then my guy here was sitting with his advisor and it was a new advisor. So he walks in, sits down, and the advisor opens up his file. And the first thing she says was, wow, I'm surprised you have such good grades. Mm-hmm. And so he comes home and he's pretty private. So he's not like telling me everything, but he comes home and he's just like, why did she say that? Yeah. I was like, you know why she said that? Yeah. And, like, that's just a real subtle example. That These are the things that I'm like, oh, I'm, I can be that lady. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has any idea of what she said. Right. But he's gotten that so many times in his life that he came home discouraged. Why is this lady who knows nothing about me surprised that I have good grades? Why would that be her response? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are just a few stories that my friends yeah. have said I can share to kind of help bring to life how racism has affected them. It's not just the people yelling the N-word out of the back of a truck. Yeah. It's big things and it's little things. Yeah. What would you say, with that first point, what would you say to the people who do think that racism ended when, you know, slavery was abolished or Mm. when segregation ended? What would you say to those people or to the people who maybe even... They know that racism is real, but they do think it's in Alabama, Mm -hmm. you know, with the rednecks or something like that. Like, what would you say to those people? Gosh, I mean, I I can only really speak for myself. And and it's just been humbling to see that it's in me. Yeah. And not that I'm like any gold standard, but these are my friends who I love. And yet I somehow still am able to like form these assumptions without thinking about people. Mm Mm-hmm. I guess in a practical thing, I would say if you have a friend of color, I would ask them. Yeah. Like, hey, what was what's your experience like with cops? I'm just curious. Yeah. And I should also, I said this in my talk too, I'm not anti-cop. I have friends who are cop and, cops and mm-hmm. I think they're great people and mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be a cop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's advisors are great people. You yeah. know, I think what we all are are people and nobody's perfect. Yeah. Um, and this is one of my other points, but just knowing our history, it would just... It was naive of me to think that I could just show up in a world that has been formed in a way that has not given a fair shot to people of color, but mm-hmm. to think that I would just grow up thinking, we're all equal. Yeah. You know, without, without any kind of proactive learning. Right. Um, so I would just say, it's probably there. Yeah. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> and it's not necessarily, I know we're going to talk about this in a little bit too, but it's it's not because it's not always going to be because you had grandparents that were racist or you grew up in a racist town Mm -hmm. it's because we're human and we make stereotypes and i remember in one of my college classes the professor is talking about stereotypes and he was saying stereotypes by themselves are actually really helpful we use them for a lot of different things and they're actually positive they can be you know used for good in our minds to help us organize things but it's when they become our beliefs that they become bad and so it's not like stereotypes on their own are just awful but they can become really bad and we're all guilty of it and it's 
yeah, it's not all rooted in we grew up in a all white town. Like I grew up in a very diverse town, but that doesn't mean I don't have stereotypes, mm-hmm. right? So I think yeah, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Number two. Number two. Number two is yeah, I think for me I needed to let go of both shame and guilt and then also my pride. So I've messed up a lot and I've hurt people before. I still, I mean, I still, I'm not exempt from this, but prior to me, like, whoa, wow, I don't get this. There's been some hard relationships with people I care about. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't place myself. I couldn't allow myself to just listen to their grievances. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I felt a need to defend myself. Mm. And Like as a white person, you mean? Like- yeah. And, and honestly, some of the people were white. Yeah. <laughs> so it wasn't even... It was, I wasn't, I wasn't woke enough yet kind yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. I, I said the wrong thing again, or what did you mean by that? I just, at times I felt like I'm walking on eggshells. And so then I would just find myself just wanting to defend, 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 defend. And now if I could go back to some of those conversations, I would have just listened. Like, it doesn't even have to be all the way right, but some of it was right. And I didn't even want to receive that because it's hard. It's hard to see yourself um, and to see that brokenness and... And so I think for me, I just, I kind of had to just like, let go of that. Mm-hmm. Like, and I also don't have to feel shame because like yeah. shame and guilt is going to cause me to not move. Yeah. And that can become super self-centered. Yeah. So that can even be another like privilege where I'm just like, woe is me. I'm so terrible. Mm-hmm. Now I realize all these things and I'm going to make it about me again. Yeah. You know, like if you've ever been in a friendship or a relationship where somebody hurts you and you're kind of like, oh, do you know, like they actually hurt me. And they're just like oh, I'm so sorry. And then they're so sad and you end up comforting them. Yeah. And it's kind of like, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. So needing to kind of let go of that. Yeah. And and let go of my pride. And as a Christian, I've already said, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And so I'm, why would I think I'm exempt from this, this type of sin? Mm -hmm. Like I have the freedom to say like, yeah, there's, this is in me too. Mm -hmm. And then, and once I can say that, then I can actually move. Yeah. Um, and I can ask the Lord to help me work that out. And I can ask people to help me work that out. And yeah. I can receive their correction. Yeah. And actually, like, learn and grow from this instead of kind of hiding away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were talking even a little bit before we started recording about how that is something that's not just, like, a one-time admission of, like, oh, see, I am guilty, but that's going to be a continual thing, especially as white people who don't always say the right thing, we don't Mm -hmm. always use the right term, and we just say dumb things sometimes, or, you know, even make associations and Mm -hmm. then later realize, like, it's going to be an ongoing thing where we we are realizing, oh, wow, I messed up there, and yeah, it can, it can be shameful. It, it's easy to get really embarrassed about, but I think you're right in that it's not about us, right? Yeah. It has to just be about admitting our faults and then moving forward and yeah. learning from them. Yeah. Even I told this story when I gave the talk, but I was playing basketball and there's a, this kid, Matt, that I see there all the time. And he, so we were like talking. And so I started asking him and Matt is black. I started asking him, I said, I can't remember how I originally worded it, but are you, what do you study here? Or do you go to U of I? Asked him some kind of question. He kind of was like, uh, didn't really hear me. And so I was like, oh, maybe he doesn't go here. 
and then so I rephrased it and said, do you go to Parkland or U of I? And then he was like, I go to U of I. And I was like, oh, okay. What do you study? Engineering. And I was like, okay. And I thought in my head, honestly, Janelle, if this kid was white, would I have changed my questioning and asked him Mm. if he goes to Parkland or U of I? Yeah. And then I'm like, you know what? He's probably upset because people probably think he got in, maybe based on his skin color. Yeah. And he's... He's an engineer. Yeah. You know? So I'm just like, okay. And I don't know him well enough, and I didn't know him well enough to be like, hey, what do you, you know? Yeah. I'm not going to make you have a 10-minute conversation where I unload on you the things I've been learning and did I just mess up. But it just was kind of a moment, a humbling moment for me of like, why did I rephrase that? And maybe he's upset at my questioning because of all, you know, the background of his life. Yeah. For sure. Um, and this is after years of, like, studying yeah. and reading, you know? Oh, yeah, but in totally. real life, I'm kind of like, oh. Oh, yeah. With those stereotypes, yeah. like, we make associations. And for those that are listening, Parkland is our community college. So that's what Janelle is referring yeah. to. And I think that's true, too. I work in athletics at U of I, and a lot of students have told me, students of color a lot of them, a lot of people will assume that they're student athletes if yeah. they're people of color, and that's how you got into college. Yeah. And it's just, it's stereotypes mm-hmm. like that we see a lot of. And yeah, I think that's really courageous of you to say that, like to admit that, you know, in front of people to say, like, oh, here's a time that I said something really stupid, and or I made a stereo, or I made an association mm-hmm. based off of a stereotype I probably had in my head. But yeah we're going to keep doing it. Like, just because we're learning about these things doesn't mean we're going to be perfect and stop yeah. doing them. So thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. Yeah, the the next, I think, most important thing for me was learning about our nation's history. Yeah. Granted, I was probably not paying attention, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure most of these things were not taught. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if they were, it was like you know a paragraph right. in a history book, and then we moved on. And so I think it's impossible to look at what's happening today without knowing what has happened. Mm -hmm. And so even the question of what would you say to people who think that was a long time ago, I would say it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. Like there's people's grandparents experienced Mm. so many of these things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, even Jim Crow, even once slaves were free, they weren't. And we gave gave them nothing. Yeah. You know, just, okay, you're free, but you're not. And we're still not going to give you any rights. And yeah. And then even when it was like forced integration of schools Mm -hmm. it was almost to their disadvantage yeah and it was like asking young children to be super brave that like adults couldn't even do yeah and lynchings like do we talk about lynchings and how harmful that is to people to a group of people to how you think about life and the value of your life and and then even how churches were so complicit like i've read Mm -hmm. churches would let out early to attend lynchings oh my gosh that just like makes my skin crawl yeah like that is so against everything yeah (laughs) that jesus came for Um, yeah i always like to point out too that jesus wasn't white in case anybody was wondering (laughs) yeah we got that wrong too (laughs) um yeah so even that that kind of history like we really we've really ignored and kind of whitewashed things yeah um I like Trevor Noah a lot, mm-hmm. and I read his book, and he he kind of calls he calls out America because he's not from here, so he can do that more objectively, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's like, in America, the history of racism is taught like there's slavery, there's Jim Crow, there's Martin Luther King, and now it's done. Mm-hmm. But you, if you go to Germany, 
they have like all these markers and memorials and they aren't proud of but they fully acknowledge the holocaust mm. like this happened here in this house someone was stolen from this house and so there's a pillar outside of it mm. and that and i think until we acknowledge these things we can't how do you really change them like yeah propaganda another thing you should watch is he has a movie little clip thing called 20 years and he uses marriage as an example he talks about this husband and wife who are married and the first 20 years he beats her and mm. but the next 20 he doesn't but it's never talked about nothing mm. he just stops because he realizes she's gonna leave and that's gonna look bad and he'll have to pay child support and and so they just stop and then they're at their 40th anniversary and everybody just wants to celebrate and she's just like uh well you know like this isn't this isn't real yeah and he does just a really amazing job of comparing that to mm. our history yeah and so i just think like how can we have true reconciliation how can we make amends for the past how can we heal relationships if we won't even acknowledge what happened yeah, yeah. and i didn't even know what happened right. and so for me it was just reading about history yeah reading about slavery watching movies graphic movies yeah where i was like i want to vomit yeah but this this happened and i feel like again it would be a, my privilege to ignore it and yeah. to not try to understand kind of the, the horrendous things that have happened and how that shaped where we are today right yeah totally i think i totally agree with you that we have to learn about history to understand the root of the problem in fact did you watch the remake of roots Mm-mm. Okay, maybe that's what I was telling you about. You would love it. It shows literally a man being captured from his uh, village in Africa in the 1800s or whatever. Yeah. And then it's about his descendants. Mm. So it goes through each generation and how things change. And it only goes up until like the 1930s or 40s. So it doesn't even go... Yeah that far up but it is so interesting and I think that was something that really opened my eyes into kind of the the root of the problem hence the name Ruth I think maybe that's part of why it was named that but I think that a lot of people do believe that you know once slavery was abolished that was the marker of Mm -hmm. the end of racism or you know once the civil rights movement yeah. and it's like the civil rights movement our parents were alive my parents were alive <laughs> it for that, that long ago. yeah it wasn't that long ago so it's not like our nation is completely healed yeah. from that and even then the so much of america was against the civil rights yeah. movement there was so much lashback for that and it took so long to get it accomplished yeah. you know martin luther king jr is killed because right. of it like right. it's it's not like it was just well received right. you know and even even now, there's a lot of people against the movements that are going on. Yeah. The NFL, for example. Yeah. Like, there's people who still don't like talking about this stuff. So I, I agree with you. It's not that far removed. Like, I had a professor in grad school who literally grew up in an all-black high school. Like, he grew up during wow. Jim Crow segregation. Yeah. And he's still teaching. It's not yeah. like it's, like, this yeah. old grandpa. Like, yeah. he's still very relevant. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with you. It's not far removed, and it's... I mean, it's important to understand that it's this continuation, right? Like, it's not yet over, yeah. and it's it didn't just end in, you know, 1920. Or, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, I read this in another book that I love, The Myth of Equality. He says, My desire in looking at a racial past isn't to push America down, 
but to help us know our medical history, as it were, so we can better prescribe the kinds of attitudes and behaviors that might help us repent, turn from our sin, and find reconciliation. And so it's not like an, a process to engage in to just feel terrible about America, feel terrible yeah. about ourselves, but just so that we we know how to get better. Mm-hmm. And so there's, it's kind of like, oddly, like a, a hopeful process. Like, yeah. let's learn about this. Let's know what happened so that we can we can make progress in a way that might actually heal something. Yeah. And not just I don't know, attempt whatever we're doing or do nothing. Yeah. yeah that's good. Are we on number 4 now? We are. Yeah. Number 4 is maybe my favorite. Okay. It's proximity. <laughs> I love my people. I think I we went to a conference and it came up over and over again. They just said like there's power in proximity. There's power in just knowing people and being close to them. Like, we kind of talked earlier, like, we will never physically have our skin in this game. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not about our, our skin color. Mm-hmm. But when my guy who feels like my son or my brother or my best friend from New York, their skin is in this game. Mm-hmm. And, and they are. Their life does feel on the line. When I hear about the most recent shooting, I am again like, wow. And it's like, I, that, that's what's changed it for me. Yeah. It's impossible. It was impossible for me to stay distanced and... And, and I didn't even, I didn't have, like, a negative attitude. I was just, like, I don't really have time for this, yeah. you know? Like, I've got kids. I've, I'm mm-hmm. helping run this, you know, do stuff at church. and Yeah. Yeah. But then once once I started seeing some things that were happening and seeing my guys, it just, I couldn't, I couldn't, like, sit out of it anymore. Yeah. And one of the speakers had said, they equate the lack of proximity and they talk about fog. And, like, when we have distance from people, that's, like, a fog. And we just can't see them clearly. And so we don't really know what's happening, but we can't love someone that we can't see. That's just, like, someone way over there in the distance. Yeah. I mean, we can love them, but to truly, like, love them and be in it with them, we have to know them. And so I think relationships, for me and a lot of people I know, have been the most powerful tool to change people's hearts. And so now when I see, and in both ways we talked about too, like we have friends who are cops. Yeah. And so when people start just bashing all cops and they're all just out to kill and and I'm just like, no, they're not. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think the majority of them are. And I think even when these horrible incidents happen, I don't think that they're really glad that they just shot someone. Yeah. I think there's a whole mess of problems that lead up to that and they're being undealt with. But because I have, I have friends of color and I have friends who are cops and I have friends who are gay and I have friends who support Trump and friends who hate Trump, I can't look at a specific type of group and just say they're the worst Yeah. to the point that they're like worthless. Yeah. And so I think within racism and with anything that our nation is so divided over that proximity changes things because you can take that person's face and put it on the group of people that you're being kind of called to hate or choose yeah. the other side. And it's, yeah, it's helped. It's just helped me a lot. Yeah. What would you say to people if there's someone listening who maybe is sort of understanding what you're saying but has never had a friend that's a person of color? Mm-hmm. Or even if they've, you know, had a community where there are people of color, mm-hmm. if they've never had, like for you, part of your kind of awakening to this was having your friend, your guy from New York come out here and you know he's like your kid we all to me he's like your kid you know 
And that was part of it. You had someone that was so close. So what if there's someone who's like, I sort of get what you're saying, but I've just never had that personal of an interest in Mm -hmm. this because I don't really know anybody that this relates to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of speak from two perspectives. Like, as a Christian, I would say, like, I believe that God created all people equal. Yeah. And, And I can see in this world that that is not what is overall true and so there are people that are suffering because groups of people have decided that other groups of people are are worth less mm-hmm. and that is against what my god believes yeah is true about people yep and so i'm commanded to go out and love and part of loving is understanding and fighting for them and with them and so there's that i feel that conviction yeah and i think too that's why i bring in other things like we all probably know somebody that's felt marginalized in some way. Yeah. And it's not going to get us to, we'll never, we as white women will never understand what it's like to be a black man. Yeah. But I used, I have this one story and I use it very like cautiously because it's not even close, but the closest experience I could come to anything like this is I go and play basketball and I'm typically the only female there. Mm-hmm. And so I walk on the court and I, I don't really belong there, but I'm, like, allowed to be there. Yeah. And lots of assumptions are made about me. Sometimes people won't pick me up on their team. Mm-hmm. Do you have five? Yeah, I have five. And then I watch them, like, go get five. Like, they didn't have five, but they're not going to take the girl. And and then there's other times on, on the upside, they're like, oh, are you, like, the manager here? Like, you don't <laughs> fit in. So they could assume yeah. those things about me. But there's plenty of times where because I am not a man, it's assumed that I shouldn't really be there and they don't really have to make a spot for me and I don't want to play with you. And so it's so minor, but I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. Like on a, on a much bigger scale, this is what my guy experiences. Yeah. No, we're not hiring today. Oh, you mean you're not hiring people of color? You know, like, yeah, we have five. Oh, no, you don't. You mean we're just not playing with girls today. Mm-hmm. And so I would challenge people to think through, you know, women, women being underpaid. You know, there's yeah. lots of other issues happening yeah and they're not all the same by any means but I think we all have some experience or know somebody who's experiencing something where they're being treated unfairly yeah and so that could be one of the first ways to think like oh yeah I know someone I know how they felt wow these people could feel similarly or worse or you know yeah something like that yeah no I like that that's all really good thank you for sharing that yeah Last one. Last one. So last one, I just talked about what I've been learning about what I should actually do. So I've read, I don't know, scores of books. A lot of books, yeah. Talk to people, <laughs> podcast, you know, and it's just like, huh. Yeah. And so actually doing this talk at my church was like, not the first thing I've done because I've talked to lots of my friends. Like, yeah. Start conversations, but I think... Yeah, just trying to figure out for me, now now what? I'll be like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this information? Like, surely you don't want me to, like, actually talk to real people, or I'm nowhere near an expert on anything. But I have felt like, yeah, I do have a group of people around me that I do feel responsible to, like, bring in on this discussion. And a lot of my people know my guy and know some of my friends now here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do feel a responsibility to share their stories and to share their life experiences. But I think for the beginning, 
and even still now I'm cautious when I talk. I just was like, I have so much to learn. Yeah. I don't, I actually have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. I think as white people, we always have the privilege of talking yeah. and saying what we think. And part of the humility process here for me was I, I, have, I have nothing to say. Mm-hmm. I don't, this is not my experience. I don't yeah. even know history. And so I've learned a lot about lament. A lot of times, I think, as, as white people who are used to being asked for what we think and jump in to like, do things, yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. I don't even understand the half of what has happened. Yeah. So like, why on earth would I think I have something to do about this right now? And so just learning what it looks like to walk in this knowledge that I have well. And so it, it is talking, it's starting conversations with friends and taking advantage of opportunities to talk at church or with you. Um, yeah. But doing that cautiously and humbly and and encouraging others to do the same. And I think, too, a, a huge goal of mine in these conversations and when I speak about it is is saying, like, this is the first of many conversations yeah. And I want to help create a safe place. Yeah. Where people can come and learn, where they're not going to be shamed when they admit what they said to someone or when they ask a question that is offensive. I think I think I've been burned by some some of the times in my learning where it just didn't feel safe. And and by safe, I don't think I have the right to be right. Like Yeah. It's I don't I think there is some, what do they call it? Just like I'm kind of soft. We don't want to be accused of things. And and so I don't think I have the right to always be right or not to not be corrected. But I think whenever we're trying to learn, I think if we can create a space where where we're willing to be corrected, but we know we're not going to be attacked or judged or shamed. So as I keep learning, keeping that in mind where... It's like, yeah, I, I still don't know that much. I want to share what I do know yeah. or what I've learned. But in a way that it brings people in and not pushes them out. Yeah. And I want to... I want to, I want to tell good stories, too. Yeah. Like, these things have happened to my friends, but then it's also, like, they're hilarious. I've, I had someone ask, well, I don't even... I don't even understand, like, what you even are drawn to in their culture. And I was just like, oh, yeah, do you, do you not know anyone? I'm just like, my guy? He's hilarious. Yeah. And the sense of family and the gen- generosity and the community that happens. Yeah. Their hangouts and parties are way more fun than, like, <laughs> his families are more fun than my families, and yeah. I love my family. But just the joy that they have and the thankfulness. And these are just my specific friends, so I'm not overgeneralizing, but... right. These are the things I'm drawn to, why I want to like hang out with my friends, why I loved hanging out with the kids in the projects and there's deep rich culture there. Yeah. And and I like consider it a privilege that they would let me in on that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been it's been really good and needed for me to learn, but there's also been a ton I've gained so much. Yeah. From my friendships that that I don't really deserve and I'm not entitled to, but I'm really yeah. thankful for. That's really cool. I think I think what you were saying about learning is really key, and I think you're right in that a lot of us 
are quick to then want to, especially once you become passionate about something like this, you want to talk about it a lot Mm -hmm. and you want to point out when you see something that's not right. But I think the more that we learn, the more ready we'll feel to kind of address that. And it, and that doesn't mean attacking someone mm-hmm. and making them feel like a racist because that's not productive, right? right? That's counterproductive if you make someone feel like they are a racist person. But we can kind of, if we have the background knowledge, we can dig more at, you know, like this is a really small example, but someone in my husband's family was talking about it was an older person was talking about how black people are like better athletes or mm-hmm. something like that and i with a background in athletics especially was like um no like <laughs> let's talk about that and it was hard for me to stay calm during it but yeah. first of all it's like someone of this age is probably not going to be receptive mm-hmm. to me talking about the history of racism so Mm. how am I gonna frame this so that they can receive it yeah and not feel stupid and not feel like a racist but also like I have to be educated on why you even think that's the case right like how did you get to form that opinion yeah exactly so I I think that learning is you're right and that learning is an action step like if you're feeling like you're listening to this and you're feeling like, oh my gosh, okay, wow, like, I want to do something. You know, it's not going to be for everybody being a quote-unquote missionary and going and serving yeah. in the projects in the Bronx, right? It That's not going to be what it is for everybody. It's, first of all, it's learning. And yeah. one of my professors from grad school would say, as long as it's just ignorance, we can work with that, right? Yeah. I feel like addressing the ignorance is mm-hmm. one of the very first steps yeah. and we can do that whether we have friends that are black or friends that are people of color or not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many books. Yeah. So there's, <laughs> there's like unlimited resources. Yeah. In understanding some of these things. Yeah. 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 We can put in the notes all the books that you want to recommend to I'm everybody. Limit it to five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do get overwhelmed with your book recommendations. Yeah. I'm like slowly chipping away at it. <laughs> I ignore my kids and I just read. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Okay, so you shared your list, your five things. Do you want to restate what they each were one more time? Yeah. Um, the first one was just that racism is real, and it was a privilege of mine to not realize that sooner. The second one was that I need to be able to put aside any shame or guilt or pride in order to actually engage in this process of learning. And then I needed to relearn history. I had missed a lot, and I think Mm -hmm. I was misinformed a lot. And so in order to actually engage in the present day, I needed to know what our history was as a nation and as a church. And I learned a lot about just relationships and how important those were and helping me see and understand, and even kind of giving me the desire to engage in this so deeply. Mm -hmm. And then the last one was just learning what it looks like to use this information and I think for a long time and still it's mostly just learning and listening yeah (laughs) and a lot of avoiding of thinking I have a lot to do yeah so if there was just one thing that someone could take away from this talk today if they're out for a run and they're like well that's a lot of information what would be like one big takeaway that you want someone to learn from today 
one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've already summed it up into five things. It was so hard to get to five. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I think it would be worth your time to to read read a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you could be amazed um, at what you might find and. Yeah, I think because people's lives are being affected yeah. in such a great way. It's very relevant right now. I guess I would say it, it, I would say it would be worth your time to look into it. Mm-hmm. If this is the first you've thought about it, or maybe you've thought about it a little bit and you've wondered. I think because people's lives are being affected, and even if... It's not people you directly know, whether it's large-scale politically or in your workplace or in your schools. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to raise your kids who grow up to maybe go live somewhere else where there is diversity. Yeah. There's just a lot of our history that is still affecting today. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are being hurt by the way we view them today yeah and I think by starting to to learn about it I think that it would be worth your time yeah I I think that's a really good point and I when you were saying that it reminded me of it's not just the people that we see like on the cover of the newspaper or or whatever like it's not just the people who are dealing with police brutality or it's it's not just those people there are so many people of color that are slipping through the cracks Mm -hmm. that go unnoticed like the conversation of poverty Mm -hmm. is a huge part of that uh which is like a whole nother rabbit hole but but like (laughs) but that's I think that's who I think a lot of people just go unnoticed and we don't realize how racism and poverty go together but they do right yep so I think that's a really good last point yeah Okay, so since we sort of talked about books, what do you feel like is, do you have a favorite or one that was most impactful for you that you would want most people to read? <laughs> I think it's the one you just finished. I think I recommend people to read Just Mercy Okay. by Brian Stevenson. Okay. Brian Stevenson is my favorite voice on this topic. That's cool. I find him to be very intelligent, but very humble. And so I... I got that Bible I was reading. Yeah. He's so humble. He's so humble and he's so intelligent. Yeah. And he's done so much. Yeah. And he's not angry. Yeah. And not that people don't have the right to be angry. Yeah. I cannot imagine. But he's just filled with grace and humility. Yeah. And so I find his book to be a good, it's jolting still, but it's not. I have a couple other books that I love, but that would be like. Yeah. Dealing a lot more with. Right. That. Whiteness, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That book was good. It is a so he's a lawyer and he started the equal justice initiative is that right or he founded it or something and the book is like a collection of stories from over Mm -hmm. the years and so it's heavy but it's so some of the stories i would be reading and i would be like this sounds like the 1800s like how is this possible yeah and and he's only like 40 or something like he's not old so he's defending (laughs) It's predominantly men of color who are wrongfully on death row. Yeah. And, like, when one story, this is in Build a Book, he's, like, doing this in a town where To Kill a Mockingbird was written about. Yeah. You know, and it's just, like, yeah. how ironic. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the other book, 
I agree that that was really impactful. Another book that you also recommended to me that was probably my most impactful was The Hate You Give. Oh, yeah. That one. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And that one is a much different read because yeah. it's a novel. Yeah. It's like a, it's not a autobiography or anything right. like that. Yeah. And it's a good story story. Yeah. So that one's another really good one. And yeah, that was just, I feel like her words kind of helped me. I think Just Mercy is kind of historical almost. Yeah. And it helps me to see the history piece. The Hate You Give was Oh, kind of like the proximity piece, I feel like, that you talked about. Yeah, maybe I would change my answer. (laughs) No, I liked your answer. (laughs) No, I mean, I think if you're, if if it's the same question of if you're just getting into this. Right. Then The Hate You Give or All American Boys, similar. The young adult fiction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You can read in a day if you wanted to. And it's it's totally about proximity. And there's different characters that I could see myself in painfully. Yeah. Like, oh, I've made that joke. That's not yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. Or that's how my guy feels here in a predominantly mm-hmm. white setting. For sure. He feels like, we're like, oh, well, why don't you dance? You're the best dancer. Yeah. yeah those kind of things. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. The Hate You Give. And that just came out in rave reviews. Oh, so, so good. Yeah. Such a good read. And I even took it on vacation and read it all on vacation. Yeah. So it's even, it's it not could as even heavy. be a Yeah. Just Mercy is pretty heavy. Just Mercy is heavy, yeah. And I had to finish it. I didn't tell you this. I had to finish it quickly because someone requested it back at the library. So it, I was getting charged for every day. Oh, no. So I finished like the whole <laughs> second half in three days. And yes. it was really stressful. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. What is... Oh, have you heard or watched or listened to anything recently that you want to recommend to people? Like a podcast or a documentary or a TED Talk or anything like that that mm. you loved recently? Yeah. Well, I mentioned the propaganda piece it's called 20 years I is that a just, documentary it's just him doing like spoken word okay it's short it's on youtube on youtube okay i would have to think about this you just started seven on netflix i just started seven is it seven seconds seven, seven seconds. seconds on netflix <laughs> which while we're recording this it just came out like this week right yes i, think I just so. saw it today yeah so well i have friends who have finished it but oh, they probably, wow. okay. it's only 10 episodes <laughs> okay so i can see them just like whoosh. yeah okay yeah Fruitvale Station is just a movie Netflix also? on Netflix also. Okay. 13th documentary. Mm, you have to watch 13th. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's a whole nother, we could talk about mass incarceration on a whole yes. nother podcast. Yes, yes, Oh, it's so good. Yes. Okay, those are all good recommendations. Okay, how about some good advice you've gotten recently? Just in general? In general, yeah. In general, good advice. Yeah, so we, I haven't mentioned this yet, we have a foster baby right now and that has been a joy and hard and exhausting and Mm -hmm. building a relationship with his mom and Um, he's probably the cutest baby i've ever met the cutest i mean honestly i'm not just saying i know he's so cute yeah we we're ruined for foster care because we just got the best anyone who comes after him just won't be him so i think i have a a couple different friends slash mentors and a kind of common thread they keep telling me is just to remind myself like I'm doing the best I can mm-hmm. and then the, and then that there's there's grace for me mm-hmm. so that combined with kind of my goal in relationships is to like just keep showing up mm-hmm. like I so often don't know what I'm doing with my guy from New York and now we have a foster baby so I just want to keep showing up yeah and so my friends are good at kind of encouraging that but then saying like you've never done this before yeah it's like oh yeah Give yourself grace. You're doing the best you can. Yeah. And that is really needed for me to hear. I expect 
mostly perfection for myself. Yeah. So that's good. Do you have anybody that you look up to as a role model? Yep. My friend Tara. Okay. She lives in New York at the church I used to work at Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the projects. Yeah. She lives two blocks from the projects. She is a single white Irish lady who's four foot 11. She's so tiny. She's so (laughs) tiny. And man, she just has like given her life and her work to these kids and these Mm -hmm. families. And so just the way she lives her life is incredibly challenging to me. Mm. I don't know anyone who is as selfless as she is for the last 11 years. Like not just like she came and did a trip and left. She's just there. And it's a really hard place to work. And there isn't a ton of immediate successes. Yeah. Um, And so she just keeps faithfully walking with her people. I respect her a lot. Okay, how about, is there any brand or product that you've really been liking lately? (laughs) This one's more. I don't think so. (laughs) I try not to wear real clothes very much, so it's almost all athletic stuff. Yeah. Actually, I will say I love, I get my bathing suit from this place called Lime Ricky online, and it's like all made in the U.S., and just these young ladies started it. Lime Ricky? Yeah. Bathing suits? Mm Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of this. Yeah. And I'm, like, tall and yeah. thin, and they're long. I've only ever gotten tankinis, but they're long, and they have, they're real trendy. So you can get one pieces, or they have, like, the high-waisted bottoms, or... Okay. So that's kind of, like, my only little hidden nugget. Okay. No, that's a good... That's oh, wait, good one. one more. I okay, bought these yes. sweatshirts from Mindy May's Market. They've kind of blown up in the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. they're called double-hooded sweatshirts. So, as they're stated, they have two hoods kind of strange but I have three of them in the last <laughs> okay. couple months yeah you're like the first one where if you find something you like you're gonna buy it in every color you but can. they all look different like you wouldn't necessarily know you would if you like wow that has two hoods too but yeah okay wait Mindy May's Market mm-hmm. I've never even heard of that is it an online shop or yeah. something okay yep and double hooded sweatshirt so what's the point of two hoods I don't really know okay you just yeah like it's it. just there but again it's like long the sleeves are so long and they have little holes for your fingers i do like long sleeves and they like i have a super long torso and they come they're so long yeah so and i actually have two i have i guess i I have two dresses from there too yeah Mm, i like that yeah that sounds nice okay those are all good those are way better than nike way to go (laughs) (laughs) scratch nike the worst okay that's all great well uh i loved having you on here and my last question is if you want to share your social media, you're on Instagram, right? I am on Instagram. What's your, in case anybody just <laughs> likes the sound of your life and they want to see, they want to see your guy that we've been talking yeah, about. He's on your Instagram. My, my little guy. <laughs> my Instagram is Janelliot8, J-A-N-E-L-L-I-O-T-T-8. Okay. So my first name morphs into my last name perfectly. Yes, it does. Yeah, so you can find me on there. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, we're going to do that. We're going to follow you. Thank you for coming on here and sharing what you've learned. I love how vulnerable you are and how I consider you someone who knows a lot about this topic. And I also, I forgot to say this, when, when you were talking about learning earlier and just having conversations with your friends, even if it's like this, like white girl to white girl, mm-hmm. like talking about these things, it's important. Yeah. And... I remember when we first talked about this. Do you remember it? No. Okay. 
It was at Katie and Davis's rehearsal dinner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yes. so both our, your husband was doing the wedding. Yes. My husband was in the wedding. Yeah. So we were yeah. at the rehearsal dinner. And some, and we'd been friends, like, we've been friends since 2012. Yeah. Since I moved here. Yeah. And, and then you're like, this is what I'm studying. I'm like, <laughs> what? 2017. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We finally realized that we both like talking about this stuff mm-hmm. and we're both passionate about it. And I think it's so funny that it took that long. And I think part of that was that for both of us, it was a process, right? Yeah. You, like you said, 2014 was mm-hmm. when you kind of became aware of these things. And for me, it was probably more when I was in grad school, but... I thought, I was like, wait, how, like, how has this never come up in our friendship before? Like, it was like this revelation that like, wait, 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 race? Wait, what? Yeah, (laughs) wait, you too? (laughs) Yeah, so I love that. And I think that it's, it's like, it's funny, but I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed that it took us that long to talk about it. Like, we should have been talking about this sooner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I, I think that it's a really big encouragement to people out there, like, to have these conversations. So... Thank you for sharing and for being vulnerable with us. And yeah, loved it. Okay, so did you love it or did you love it? If I could guess one thing about this conversation, I'm guessing that you really appreciate Janelle's honesty and vulnerability and could probably relate to a lot of the ways that she's felt before. Whether or not you've been in similar circumstances as her, or if you've had similar friendships or not, the way Janelle speaks is so real and so honest and so personal that I'm confident that you felt connected to it in some way, shape, or form. I think the five things that Janelle shared are a great place to start this conversation, and like I said before, I hope that it left you wanting more. I hope that you felt encouraged and enlightened to read more books, to watch more documentaries, to ask more hard questions, and to listen even better than you ever have before. And then, when the time is right, to act on your knowledge. I will say that Janelle knows a lot more on this topic than I do, and when she said that she didn't even feel like she had the right to speak on it, that opened my eyes to a lot of the ways that I've taken advantage of my privilege and rushed through the process of learning. Janelle had a lot of great points that she made, but one of my favorites was when she said, I can be that lady who has no idea what she said. When she was talking about the experience of one of her friends and his academic advisor, she said that she can be that lady sometimes too. A woman who has read more books than I think I ever probably have, or maybe even will, and who's devoted so many years of her life to serving communities of people of color, says that she can be that person who says the wrong thing sometimes. I love Janelle's honesty in that because I think it's when we get too prideful and too afraid to admit that we're wrong that a lot of our problems come out. She said that we're all just people, no one's perfect. It's not that we're all racist or we all hate too many people groups, but we're just all imperfect. Can I get an amen to that? I also loved what Janelle said at the end about what we need to do with the information we gain. Attacking people when they say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing is going to get us nowhere. Instead, we have to share the information in a way that brings people together instead of pushes people out. I think that's probably true of so many things in this world, and I love the idea of using the knowledge that we have to bring forth inclusivity rather than hatred. 
There's so much that Janelle shared that I loved, and I want to hear what you loved about it too. Like I mentioned earlier, all of the things that we reference are in the show notes. That includes all the books and the documentaries and everything there is. Check those out in the description below the show or on my website, www.heartfelthippie.wordpress.com. Make sure you check out Janelle's Instagram too, at janelliat8, I'll post a link to that also, so you can get a glimpse into her life and see her adorable foster baby. I can't wait to hear what you got out of this conversation and truly hope that you walk away feeling enlightened and feeling ready to have more conversations and pursue more knowledge. Conversations like these are going to have trickle-down effects that we can't even imagine, so be encouraged. If you haven't yet done so, I would love it if you would head on over to leave me a review or a rating so that other people can find this show too. Make sure you keep your eyes peeled for my next episode releasing in two weeks where I am interviewing my friend Lindsay and we're talking about adoption and foster care. If you're not yet subscribed to the show, you're going to want to make sure you do that so that you can get the latest episodes right into your downloads. In the meantime, make sure you hit me up on email or over on the gram and I'd love to hear from you. Until then, keep getting inspired and enlightened. I'll see you next time for my episode with my friend Lindsay.